your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? It's really, it's really awful. Do it to it, brother. Welcome to the Lutheran Stuff No Drama, No Drama Podcast. My name is Pastor Hoffman and with me is Zach Lesher. Say hello, Zach. Grace and peace to everybody. Well, it's good to have everybody back and listening. We're into our second uh, chapter here on on 1 John. And last time, you'll remember, we went through 1 John 1, 1 through chapter 2, verse 6. And we, I hope you can listen to that on our, on, our, on our website, by the way, which is nodramalutherans.org. So go there and check that out. But also, today we're going to be going in and finishing out chapter 2. And um, you're going to hear him talk a lot about the law, and you're going to hear him talk a lot about grace. You're going to love it as uh, Zach and I were talking later, I mean earlier about this, about how John has such a simple writing style and it's said about him that he's simple enough to he's shallow enough to wade in but deep enough to drown in and we decided this means he's like the OG bush bush leaguer so uh, <laughs> so we're going to we're going to read this chapter then we're going to just dig right in so here we are beginning in chapter 2 uh, verse 7 St John writes beloved i am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness, and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing uh, to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not let love... I'm sorry, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Children, it is the last hour, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, 
we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out, that it might become plain that they are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. If I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Amen. All right. Now there is some. Now this is a long. This is a long section of of what he says. But you'll notice he doesn't hit. He doesn't hit on a zillion topics. So my head is not spinning from all of these words because he's he's kind of just hitting on a few very 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 important things. Um, yes, and I think it's important, again, to say what we said last time, that John writes cyclically. He, he does not write linear. So as reading this with Western minds, it might not be as clear to you, uh, it, you know, what John is, is saying in a cyclical, cyclical form of writing. So... A cyclical would be like, I'm talking, I'm talking, now I'm going over here, and I'm talking, talking back to where I was over here. I mean, he's kind of just all over the map, segueing, right? Yeah. But that's what cyclical, uh, a cyclical type of, of writing is. So we don't want to take anything out of context. You really have to have the full context and keep it all together, lest the reform steal it and say it's theirs. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, but their 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 claim to this is is pretty weak, and I think we'll show that um, as we get as we because as he kicks off. By the way, I do like how um, it's. By the way, it's extremely bush league of him in verse seven to just jump right out and say, "Well, beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you've had from the beginning." doesn't get any more bush league than that that's that is our whole deal um the lutheran stuff no drama podcast is for the purpose of relaying that which has already been said we're not zach and i have no new ideas trust me and we are here to say this is really what's going on and and we're gonna we're gonna do it in our bush league fashion to just kind of be straight shooters and i hope that's what you're getting out of the podcast I'll take it one step further, too, and say if you're listening to somebody who has something new to say, you should probably run away unless the the topic has never been touched. 
So I'm going to leave out there, uh, you know, uh, seminary students with their, um, uh, oh, help me out here. I'm drawing a blank. Um, dissertation. Oh, yeah. Because uh, it's, it's got to be original. So they might find some original corner of scripture. That's okay. But uh, if they're teaching you something new, it's usually bad. <laughs> you know what mine was on? Catechesis catechesis from the catechism. <laughs> it, it doesn't get much better than that, though, does it? I did not I did not blaze any new trails. It was it was purely how the catechism has served the church so well for five hundred years and how it needs to continue to be a uh, a foundational teaching tool of our church. I got to tell you, there was I was I was uh, I was teaching on a eight-lane freeway. There were no new trails as far as, but the but the Dr. Aaron told me that he said, you know, this is really good stuff because I believe that it's time has come again for people to sit down and hear this kind of stuff to say they need to be brought back to the basics so that they can build up and strengthen their their knowledge and there's because there's a time where you go through a phase of sort of intellectualism where people who know the basics really well they go on and teach and teach and teach but what they forget to do is teach their new generation of students to look to these basics and then you have a generation of people who know all this smart stuff but none of the basic bush league stuff Excellent. I love it. And, and you cannot go wrong there. Mm -hmm. You cannot go wrong. I, I 100% agree. Well, so. and I and I teach it to my confirmation kids, my own children. It's it's something to, so that they can have a vocabulary and a brain. Because the catechism forces you to have a brain. It's not just a robotic document that you can barf out at people. I mean, you can if you want. But it also gives you a lens by which to to view uh, the world around you, especially the the scriptural world. So, so as we look and okay, so I think we've we've easily determined that John is is a fellow bush leaguer, although he he could be the king bush leaguer. Maybe that's what we'll put him as the the. It's like being the tallest the tallest short person. So, the Godfather of Bush League. <laughs> the Godfather of Bush League. Oh my goodness! That, welcome to you. Just titled our podcast. Okay, to, the today's tonight's episode, the Godfather of Bush League. So he says, "I'm I'm writing no new commandment. I just want you to know this is stuff you know. The old commandment is the word that you have heard, and at the same time, here's where he gets a little funny. Um, it is a new commandment." Uh, that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Now, do you remember the new commandment uh, that he's talking about that Jesus uh, gave them? That you love one another just <laughs> as I have loved you, is right. what Jesus says. And so what so he... no, new, no new commandment, technically. So John is kind of... He's kind of slinging two stones in one direction, but it's it's like one stone, right? Yeah. So he's just fulfilling the Ten Commandments in the one saying, like Jesus said. 
Jesus kind of has to correct all our understanding of the law, though, right? Yeah. He says, you heard it said you don't murder. Well, if you hated your brother, you murdered. We're like, oh. You know? Yeah. And yeah. You heard it said you shall not commit adultery. But if you lusted after a woman, you've committed adultery already. And they're like, oh. You know? So he's like, let me show you what true love is now, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's servitude, like the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, serve and give his life ransom for many. So, no new commandment, but John is, is just, he's saying this this is the table of the laws. It, he, I guess you could say John is catechizing a little differently than Paul here. Well, he's just quoting Jesus. You know, I mean, he's saying, but a new commandment in in that, you know, this is how Jesus talked about it. So we do need to, we, you know, he's he's very specific it's, um, to say that, well, I want you all to know, you know the Ten Commandments, but thanks to Jesus, we now know, know the Ten Commandments. Because uh, <laughs> it's like when we say the first, you know, I, I had, I started a new adult class. And, um, and I said, well, you know, when I say you shall have no other gods, when what does this mean? You might just go, well, duh, don't have other gods. Well, that's not, that's not explaining anything. That's just reiterating what you said. And Luther does this way of explaining in a way that's very Semitic. It's very Jewish. And he says, we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. That's what that means. So if you're picking something else, even though you never miss church, if you're picking something else over your love of God, then you have another God, and that is breaking the first commandment. So um, that's what really kind of hits home. And so when I when I have my new adult classes and we talk about that, it's important to say that well, there is Jesus. Jesus does this, just like you said about adultery. I'm not cheating on my wife. Yeah, but you're lusting after your secretary. You know? And that is, that's okay for nobody except Rome. Yeah. So Rome, Rome says it's not sin as long as you... They they kind of came back and then redefined, you know... Concupiscence. Well, didn't mean it that way. Yeah, <laughs> uh, concupiscence, yeah. So, um, so he moves on here, and this is kind of cool because he, uh... He talks about, uh where I lost my spot here, whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. And he, again, it's just like you were saying, he's, he's quoting Jesus again. He's, um, he's, I'm sorry, he's, he's following in that same theological line that Jesus says, oh, you tell me that you, uh, you love God, but you still hate your somebody. Well, when you hate him, you're a murderer. So that is not somebody who says, oh, who believes the statement, I do love the light. I am in the light of Christ because the light of Christ shines the light on our sins and, and destroys them. Well, if you're in the light and you're hating on your brother, well, you're, you're still not. So we need to talk about who we are as a sinner and a saint, you know, you, simul. And so he goes, whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Well, listen to what this is. 
darkness means you are not with Christ. You have wa you've walked away from him. The Because um, Jesus says, I am the light. And so when you're saying, he's talking about this, this sin is an act of unbelief. And so... Yes, and it's not to be confused for the one who, who is contrite about this and says, uh-oh, I hated my brother today. You know, well, well, that guy spilled coffee on me, stubbed my toe, and accidentally knocked me over. So I got really, really angry, and I hated him for a minute. Well, like you said, it's the simile, right? So mm -hmm. you're going to deal with these moments. That's not to say it's okay. It's to say, hey, you're with the rest of fallen humanity. You need redemption, too. Paul, or Paul, sorry, John, <laughs> we're, the, we're, the we're so of Bush League here <laughs> is talking about uh, straight up, I hate this guy. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, he's, well, definitely. I mean, we, but we already know the answer to this, by the way, before we get off too far into our tangent. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If you're hating your brother, what you need to do is confess your sins. Okay, that's 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 the point. So again, this is what keeps us from trying to become perfectionists, and uh, you know, this is I think where the reformed have a heyday with this because they keep forgetting to go back to what John has already said. So he's gonna right. he's gonna talk about sin now. Hey, you know what? If you say you don't have any of it, well, let's take a look. Let's look at what it looks like to have the sin. <laughs> well, and he says the truth is not in you. Yeah. Right? He says that both ways. He says that if you deliberately sin or if you say you don't have sin. Yeah. Right? So we're straight up ripping this out of the hands of those who would dare take it out of context and putting it back in the box of context where it belongs. Yes. But uh, I really want to illustrate here where he says... Because the darkness has blinded his eyes, not to void the context above that, but these words are the same words that Christ used against his enemies, the Pharisees, when they knew who Jesus was. They knew he was the Christ, but that was a willful rejection, and that's why he found their conscience to blasphemy the Holy Spirit. It was an unbelief of, nope, we're not having any of it. But he says... You are blind guides. And mm -hmm. he says, you are of your father, the devil. He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. So John is just reiterating what Jesus has already said. Absolutely. And this is what we're going to all like about John. Again, the beloved disciple, he's somebody who walked with Jesus, obviously took his teachings, thanks to the Holy Spirit, to heart. And he's teaching in the way that he was taught. He's being just kind of, here's what I heard, and I'm going to pass this on to you. And which is, that's as Bush League as it gets. He's like, here's what Jesus said. It's good enough for me. Let's go with that. <laughs> so, I mean, even even as he moves into, you know, it's a it's a good it's a good uh, thing to say that. Uh, you have blinded your eyes you know when you're walking around and the lights off you may as well have jabbed your eyeballs out you are blind and um, people who are in the darkness um, and this is an interesting way to talk about sin because he says but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and so by being in this place that's bad 
And then with no light, it's no wonder you see people that just spiral out of control because they're in this darkness and everything, they're running into the walls and everything like that. And this is why we preach to them because we bring the light of Christ to them and say, you know what? I want you to know you're walking around in a room that has piles of dog dew in it all over the place. And you're wondering why your feet are covered in it because you're in the darkness. Here, let me shine a light. And, um, and so it doesn't mean the doo-doo is not there anymore. It just means that by the grace of the Holy Spirit, you now recognize a pile of doo-doo for what it is. Yes, and, and, and the problem is they don't know that they're walking in the dew. Yeah. Right? They, they don't. That's the problem of being blind. So when you hear an unbeliever say, well, I, I'm not a sinner. I'm not guilty of anything. I'm a good person. Things like these, that's, that's, that's just proof that they're blind. They don't understand. They don't have the spirit of God to enlighten them. Like the, the spirit will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness, mm-hmm. right? So he, he convicts us. We, we we know what what sin is according to the Ten Commandments, and then and then we have the righteousness of Christ to escape that. John has said nothing different, you know, when when he opens up in chapter one with his beautiful uh, lines there about uh, saying we have no sin, and then and then God being faithful and just to forgive our sins. Well, I like, and yeah, so again, you notice how he makes the statement, he's in, we're in chapter one, and he tells us, uh, if we say we have no sin, and then confessing our sin, and then this gets back to your concept of him being, um, to him being cyclical and not linear, because he's going to go right around, now he's going to go back to talk about sin again. Because we were like, wait, didn't he already talk about sin and grace and forgiveness of sins? Now it sounds like he's back on sin again. Because he's cyclical. He doesn't speak linearly. (laughs) He's a cyclical thinker. And you get to see examples of it here. And I think it's really helpful for people to go, oh, yeah, man, this is not a a train. This is a a loop-de-loop. This is a roller coaster, man. And so... Um, he hits on it, and then he hits on it, and then he rolls back to another topic, and then he rolls back to this one. And once we can start to see this cyclical pattern in here, then his writing will will seem will will quit thinking that he's the earliest Calvinist. Could you could you imagine though living in a time where this kind of cyclical thinking was was uh, predominant? I mean, I would go mad, man. You know, I've just been too linear too long in Western culture. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't go to cyclical, you know what I mean? Um, well, I hate to say it, but I am a cyclical thinker. And a cyclical, when I when I preach my sermons and stuff, I'm like, rear, rear, rear. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, so it, it actually works for me. I mean, I, I think this is why this kind of thing works for me, but... Also, God has given people to be different types of thinkers. And so, and I think it's good for us in the Bush League here to have a linear and a cyclical thinker doing their Bush League podcast. Because <laughs> then only one of us seems crazy at a time. <laughs> we're, we're keeping the balance. Yeah, we're trying. We're the, 
Did so, you take your meds today? I did. Thanks for asking. <laughs> so we moved. So, I gotta ask you this: Why is John writing these things? Well, he's writing to a church here, and um, and he's uh, where is it? It's right. I was just reading some things on this earlier, just a little while ago, when uh, when John first came out here. Oh, where is it? Come on, man. Uh, he was writing to a Christian church who were dealing with false teachers. And so, and isn't it interesting that false teachers is always surrounded by people who don't really believe they're sinners. And false teachers tend to do this. They tend to not be worried much about sin. Because again, when you're a false teacher, you better you better not worry about sin. Um, here, where is it? Uh, just reading something really interesting on this. Um, well, John especially, I'll pick up while you're looking for that. John especially uh, dealt with Gnostics. So, a crash course on Gnosticism for everybody. I'm not going to get too in-depth here. Is The physical is bad, the spiritual is good. Now, there was, there was a couple different forms, though, like the Epicurean delusion. Yeah. Okay, this was like, well, since the physical's bad, I can just kind of, you know, have all these prostitutes because it doesn't matter anyways. You see, so then they're, they're indulgent in sin, and then there's the other end of the extreme, which is asceticism, like, well, I'm just going to beat the crap out of my flesh and starve it since it's bad. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, all this is just bad. It's just bad. <laughs> As we know, Christ is both physical and spiritually present all the time, body and soul. He is, he is uh, that is what we have in the, the ascended, uh, resurrected Christ is, is omnipresence, both physically and spiritually. If you want to know how that works, talk to Martin Kennedy because he's better at it than I am. Yeah, and definitely. And, you know, make sure you have your favorite snack and beverage and, and just dig in on him. But the congregation, he was, um, the Jewish followers, the Jewish believers he was talking to, where he wrote this letter during a time of, uh, upheaval, a time of antichrists, of false teachers, because you got to understand, uh, for us in modern day, we, I, I don't mean to be unkind, but m so many modern Christians just tend to kind of blow off or maybe not be blown away by how important Jesus is. And I know that sounds terrible, but during this time, everything that Jesus did was for their good and for our salvation. The false teachers saw this, and boy, they came out. And uh, because there's a lot of people whose income was based on being false teachers and whatnot. And so they were really trying to infiltrate these congregations. And you would get people in there. And so John walks with Jesus he comes in here and into this congregation. He's preaching to them, and he's he's teaching them what false teachers are, and what the darkness really is. And so, for the for the sake of all this, we we find out that um, 
you know that that is the that is the purpose of the of this ministry is to keep our people away from false teaching and to always direct them at Jesus and that is the whole message I mean I'm sorry I just ruined all of everything we're going to podcast on because that is John he is always pointing them towards Jesus and he uses very visceral examples of darkness and light and um and so these are things that are not deeply requiring phds to understand what it's like to be in a room with no lights on and so he does it so plainly and bush leaguey that it's just ideal and i'm going to take it a step further and say that you will not find one epistle philemon doesn't count nobody cares Uh, (laughs) i love philemon well it doesn't count for what I'm about to say. So Okay. Every single epistle is written against heresy. Yeah. If you you will not find one epistle that does not make a strike against some form of false teaching going on. So you dear Christian, to think that you are the first one to encounter it, I am sorry. Uh, you're in a long tradition with the faithful that have been fighting the good fight since uh, since Christ said, take and eat, this is my body, take and drink, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. The blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sins. So, new covenant, bam, been a fight ever since. Well, and you know what? That's Maybe that's a good thing to remind our listeners that the uh, the... The, the confession of faith is a daily thing. The, the defense, uh, the, given the account of the hope that is in us, isn't a one-time event. It's a lifetime. And so um, this is how the church uh, continues in its orthodoxy, is to be constantly reminded of what I'm going to call the basics. Because um, the defense of the faith if more people have have an easier time talking about these really complicated topics versus hey are you supposed to be uh you supposed to be uh, uh, uh you know lusting after your secretary you know i'm just saying i'm just saying you know it's uh it's the basics are what i should say the foundations there we go the foundations of the faith because in his next thing it's written in a in a psalm a song format in verse 12 and listen to what he's saying about um, people I'm writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his namesake now when he refers to the 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 children he's talking about the faithful the followers the faithful followers of Christ and they have this hope his children they hear his they hear his word and they believe him and um, it's a wonderful thing. And then we're going to get into a real Judaism here. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. Now, in the the Jewish custom, if you call somebody a father, it means they're, they're a patriarch, they're a leader, they're, a, um, they're somebody of importance who has been around. You know, they have long beards and there's, there's, there's gray hair. <laughs> there's somebody and, who has seen some things. Wise. Oh, wise, definitely. Ice, Um, And so we have, uh, and so he starts to build this really wonderful, you know, 
By the way, he's gonna cyclical. He can't get through these three ver two verses without <laughs> rotating around. Because I am writing to you, young man. Because you have overcome the the evil one. And again, he's coming back to. Um, I this is gets into like the recent, new recent converts who have gone away from their paganism, and they're not quite elders and they're not just little kids, but. Um, where he uh, he keeps building on this idea that uh, these young men and everything they're part of the church family, and uh, it's just it's just outstanding. Um, I write to you, children. Again, here we are cycling through again because you know the Father, and anytime you're a child, it means that you're in the church. Uh, and I write to you, fathers, here we go, loop, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do you see how this is, the for the podcast listeners, I want them to see the cyclical writing here, too. Little children, fathers, young men. Uh, little children, fathers, fathers young men. Fathers, young men, right. <laughs> and then the evil one, right. And you see the words repeated, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but in a different format. And then he repeats it again. You have overcome the evil one. So when we say Christ has conquered sin, death, and the Yeah. And, uh, John says right here that Christ has overcome the evil one for you. And he's saying since you're in him, you've overcome the evil one but that's it's really true. not you doing it that's not how how john is saying christ has done it for you right so his his foot is still on the serpent's neck oh and we always have to say that um christ's victory becomes mine that's how he can say i have you have overcome this not by my strength or reason but the 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 imputed righteousness of christ meaning that which Christ has done that is righteous is given to us as ours. Not that we did it, but he gave it to us as ours. And so that's how you can say you have overcome the evil one. And, um, and it was because Christ has done it in your place. Um, hey, you know what? I just had a thought pop into my head. I'm going to go a little cyclical. I'm going to get out of my way here, <laughs> In such a welfare, narcissistic state and day and age, who wouldn't want all this great free stuff Christ is offering? I know. You know, I say, hey, come get this free gift over here. I got all this blessing and all this great stuff for you. You know, people love free stuff. You know, Bernie Sanders, are you feeling the burn here? Uh, <laughs> I mean, and here yeah. Jesus is like, I got all this for you. I'm, I'm giving it away. They're like, no, I'll keep that stuff. Well, there's that's well, that's easy, and and it's it's not even well, new. I, I'm kind of building up the. T yeah. To into, so. Because um yeah the the next uh, three verses fifteen sixteen and seventeen do you n do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father's not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So we have a, another very important thing here. Um, 
uh, is to talk about, well, uh, and he's going to quote, you know, I am in the world, but not of the world, and things like this. Um, and this is John, uh, as long as I am, uh, or no, it was Paul who says, I am I am in the world, but not in of the, the world. In the world, not right, yep. And, and, uh, uh, and Christ, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So, and so we got to understand in John like nine, he, Jesus says that as long as he's in the world, I'm the light of the world. In other words, the world isn't the light. Jesus is the light. So whenever you have the light in the world, that's Christ. And so, and John goes right and kicks us right in the face here. And it's like, Hey, if you love the world, the things of the world, well, you're, you're not really loving God. In Jesus, he makes this clear from his own teaching that to say that the only time the light is in the world, in a fallen world, is where Christ is. And so, uh, but so if you're just in love with the world, well, don't don't be surprised that you're you're not loving Christ. And we need to establish. Actually, it was Jesus uh, uh, that said, uh, "You are in the world, not of the world." Yeah. So, uh, we 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 both bush league sideways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we we need to establish some terms for people to understand what's worldly. And so, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, let's go to John chapter three for reference. So, if anybody wants to pull out their Bible, and that's a good thing to do, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you do some homework on that. Uh, but he says, right, uh, Nicodemus comes to him in the night and says, you know. Uh, when he's talking about one must be born again, right? Yeah. And he's saying, you're from below, I'm from above, right? One must be born from above. So when we're talking about the world, we're talking about things below and having your mind set on things below. And Paul teaches us plainly, set your mind on the things above. Yeah. Which would be word and sacred ministry. And so John, again, is falling in line with all the other New Testament writers uh, on the worldly concept. So when we're talking, it's not that you can't be like, I love my couch. You know, that that's fine. As long as we're saying, I thank God for good gifts. First article of the creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. What does this mean, right? That God has created me in all things, right? So the, the, the couch is good as long as you know who it came from and you receive it by faith. Yeah. The couch isn't the first article of the creed. The couch is a, a is a first article gift. And first so, article gift. Yes, thank you. Yeah, that's and you know that's an important thing. It's to say that you don't all of a sudden become Amish. You become Amish if you're like, you know what? I like telephones so much that I love them more than Jesus, so I got rid of them. I like. Oh, I'm so I'm so glad that you brought up the Amish, man, because they totally took that and they're like, we're out of the world, but they're still in the world. They are you know? so they're... in the world. <laughs> they just found new ways to do it that look old timey, and uh, it's yeah. So you want to be careful that you you don't think you're something, <laughs> and so uh, and because if you do think you're something, you're you're really nothing. So, uh, and the world well, is past. He says the pride of life, right? So, I mean, this is nothing more than I need to chase money and I need the best car, the best house. And, you, you know, it's like I, 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 I 
promise that everybody's just trying to fill the void. Have you ever, have you ever been like, man, if I just get this, then I'll be happy. You know, whatever this is, right? Right. You know, if I can just get this car, if I just get a snowmobile, if I just get an ATV, you know, then I'll be happy. You get it, you're happy for a little bit, and then you're like void again. Yeah. That's because there's there's no real happiness, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the argument. Anyone who wants to to challenge me uh, on this uh, uh, offline, wherever, that's fine. I'll be argument that with, without Christ, you leave it live an empty and voidless and worthless life. Yeah. It's definitely uh, it's, it's definitely um. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, a way of, of trying to fill up, I mean, this is cliche and everybody on the podcast listening, forgive me. It's trying to fill a God-shaped hole with something that isn't God, you know, and uh, the natural man even yearns for a God. They just usually want the God to be themselves and only by the Holy Spirit do we want the, the true God, but still that emptiness is there and so many people try to fill it with with possessions, with relationships, with working too hard, you know, and uh, they just find themselves just burned out at the end of the day. So, yeah, it's definitely... You know, I, I'm convinced it's because they need to soothe their conscience. The reason the atheist... I, and I, I want to say this to our listeners. The reason the atheist has to convince you because, I mean, let, let, let's let's rationalize this for a second. If there is no God, according to the atheist, right? Why do I need to try so hard to convince you of that? What do I care? Yeah. You know, the reason they have to convince you is because their conscience is killing them. And by convincing you, it is a form of satanic absolution to them. If they can get you to agree, they feel less guilty oh i can i can speak to that from first person i can tell you that as a truism of my own my own past in atheism it it was it was so irritating to me that these dark dark ages backwards people you know and and uh it's so ridiculous and you know and i would i'd really i'd go you really need to you really need to get out of there because you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, well, if, I mean, if that's true, then it's really bad. And so it's very comforting. It was very comforting for me to have somebody go, well, yeah, maybe I don't believe all of it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, me, yeah, I know. So that's for sure. Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a, a backwards form of, of absolution, right? Like you got to absolve yourself through through trying to convince yourself of a lie, right? Self-justification is not new. <laughs> well, you know what? And that equates just fine to the Christian that says, I thank God I'm not like other men. Yeah. You're walking in darkness, bro. <laughs> well, all of this is the Antichrist. Um, this is all the Antichrist and his hopes and dreams for us. And uh, I'm actually going to read that from 1 John. Um verse 18 to the end of the chapter he says children it is the last hour and as you have heard that antichrist is coming so now many antichrists have come 
Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain, and all, they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you, have all, you all have all knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. So what a powerful, I mean, it's a little short little thing there, but talk about how important it is to say, look, um, you know, the promise that the Antichrist is coming, and guess what? There's been a bunch of them, he says. A lot of people um, who hate Jesus, they are against Christ, they are against the Messiah, against the Anointed One, literally, Antichristos is against the Anointed One. And they went out from us, but they, and, and, and it's interesting that he keeps using the Christos word here, over and over uh, that you have been a you have been christed <laughs> it's an amazing greek play and um he's saying you know it's like telling like going up and slapping somebody in the face and going you've been jesus <laughs> you know and it's great to say that to well uh, yeah it, i mean when john says it though again he's he's making the allusion to baptism you know the but, I mean, okay, so for our listeners, like the Old Testament anointing was, uh, you know, if a, if a priest was to be installed or a king was to be installed in the office, they would pour oil on him. And oil was always symbolic. It's a shadow of the Spirit. It's a shadow of, of the New Testament baptism where we receive the water, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Uh, but he says, by the Holy One, and when he says the Holy One, uh, if you'll recall to the Gospel accounts where they, they, uh, the demons say, what would you have to do with us, O Holy One of Israel? They know who Jesus is. And the Holy One of Israel, if we go back to the Old Testament again, is Yahweh Elohim who's coming to save and redeem mankind. Yeah. So, yeah, the way John just flows with the words, he's so great. And, and, and you all have knowledge right everyone listening you have knowledge well and again he, he in the greek he says kai who mice chrisma exite you know he's telling him that you have you know he uses the word anointed but this comes from the word christos you know meaning jesus has done this for you we don't have works righteousness to fall back on 
John literally says, you've been Christed. You have been anointed. You have been, this has been done. Uh, and you only relate this word to Jesus, even though there are, you know, other times where anointing happens. But in the Christian context, you can only relate this word to Jesus. And so he keeps pointing them back to the Savior. You guys, bad people are out there. They hate us. They hate us really bad. But you have been anointed. You have been given, you know, this is this is the atonement. This is your right in baptism. You've been given this by the Holy One of Israel. And, I mean, what a killer promise. I mean, say this to people who are suffering. You know what? You have been anointed by the Holy One. You have been called into his purpose. Anointing is a, and is called into his purpose literally to be his child. And so that's where the Antichrist really hate that. They hate to say that. What do you mean Jesus has his name in the book? The book of life. That's crazy. So I don't know. There's a lot of comfort to be drawn here. Oh, oh right to you. Not because you do not know the truth, yeah. but because you know it. And so yeah. people will make the argument, well, why do I need to go back to church? <laughs> dude, oh, dude, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because uh, because no lie is of, of the truth. He's, he's, he's writing to believers in church. Like, yeah. we, we need to be reminded of these things, lest we end up like the, the fools that go out from the bride and become an antichrist. Oh, you make a pastor so happy to say that. Um, <laughs> because, again, it, it is true. You know, uh, I don't, by the way, I want you to know, and I want anybody listening to this podcast, especially my parishioners, I don't care when people try to say it's an insult to say that going into church is just preaching to the to the converted. Guess what? The converted need it. And so it's such, it's supposed to be an insult to say to me, oh yeah, sure, you're preaching to the converted. I'm going, yeah, because they know where the good stuff is and they need Jesus all the time. And it's not, you know, and so it's not a one and done kind of thing. It's a life. And so, yeah, I mean, I have no problem with preaching to the choir, preaching to the converted, whatever those fake insults are. I'm like, sure, I'll do that all day because... That I, I'm witnessing what the Holy Spirit has done to them, and they are seeking these good things from God. You know what I do? I give it to them. Amen, brother. So, and as your co yeah. elder in my church who's not clergy, I will tell you, I drag my miserable, sorry beggar butt to church every Sunday, whether I want to be there or not. Because I need the gifts of God and I need the strengthening of faith. I'm not as strong as people think I am. You know, I, I find it interesting. It, don't we always look at other people and be like, man, if I could just have faith like him, right? Yeah. Or we look at biblical figures and we're like, I, if I could just have faith like him. It, that's not the point, guys. The point is none of us have faith like that. Not even him that you're likening yourself to wanting to be. Yeah. The only one with faith like that is Jesus. Let's look at some of the heroes. Paul kills Christians, <laughs> converted, right? And 
Peter denies Jesus. Uh, Thomas says, I won't believe unless I stick my finger in his side. And we're like, if I could be like those guys, man, we're just as dumb as those yeah. guys. David cheats on his wife and gets her his, her husband killed. Solomon. Oh, the whole thing. Solomon marries <laughs> 700, 700 wives. What are you doing that? <laughs> Seriously. I could barely remember 10 names. I'd have to have them pin a name tag on uh. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's just, that's, yeah. So you look at the Bible and you go, well, I want to be like that guy. And you go, you know what? Unfortunately, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I know you think they're awesome, but they're a broken person who happens to have Jesus, which is you also. You're a broken person with Jesus. And so it just kind of cracks me up when you look at the big book of dysfunctional people we call the Bible. And it's just it's just great because it's so great to see that Jesus takes all these ragged misfits and he makes them his own and in spite of themselves. And um, it's amazing. I mean, and in his his uh, John's admonition to them is in twenty eight. And now little children abide in him, so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. In other words, you know what? Uh, you know what the deal is. Remember, he's writing to you not because you don't know, because you do know. And saying abide in him, you know what? God is the one that we put all of our eggs in that basket, or actually he's done it. And we have this, this trust in it. And, um, you know, we got to struggle with our old atoms, you know, put them in check, drown them in the waters of baptism every morning, as Luther says. And, um, you know, it's okay to, to call Christians out to say, you know what, there is a life that you live. And, it won't save your, it won't, the life you live won't save you. The life you live is a result of Christ who has saved you. It's totally okay to tell people to do that. And you know, it, it, John is so Christological. You know, when he says abide in Christ, it's nothing more than Christ himself said. When he says, abide in me and I in you, uh, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm -hmm. Or he says, uh, if you abide in my word, then you truly are my disciples. He's just so Christological, so poetic, you know. Yep, I love it. He makes it he makes it really easy for us. And unfortunately, it's so easy we just can't seem to do it. But um, it's it's an awesome. I I mean I really appreciate this first these first couple of chapters here a lot because he's dealing with sinners. He says it right off the bat. And so, and then he talks to them who as redeemed sinners and it's okay. He, he says, you know what, here's your, here's your marching orders. I mean, here's what it looks like. You're a Christian. There is, there are, this is the life you live and, um, you know, stay away from the darkness, man. Stay away from that. It's bad for you. And, um, and you know, we don't want to, we don't want to get, you know, too, uh, too obsessed with not, you know, with trying to stay away from works righteousness, which, by the way, we're pretty well inoculated from that. But we should be saying, you know what? 
what does my neighbor need? Remember that new commandment? Love the, the, your neighbor as yourself. And, um, and so love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Well, these commandments, that's what John is talking about. That's the new commandment. And so, you know, he, he just follows it up. But again, he does it in a loop, de loop, de loop. And you just got to take your three different colored highlighters and go, okay, here's that. And here it is again. Oops, orange. You move it to that one. And there's, you just have to, you have to follow his cyclical reasoning. And you'll see, wow, he just keeps saying the same thing over and over. These same three things. And uh, it's really good. It's important for us to see that. And I want to, you know, I want to make the point that he's not, uh, he's not puffing one up when he says, but you know the truth, that, that you, that you have knowledge. He's giving you great gospel comfort. This is probably a downtrodden people when we're looking at the context and, you know, we're talking about the Antichrist and those who are, are leaving and falling away because they're not a part of it. You know, if you're, if you're a church and think of Seminex, how many people were, walked out? Yeah. You know, how how helpful is a text like this when something like that happens? But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have knowledge, right? So it's, it's not to puff them up, but to build them up. You're right. All right, man. Well, you know what? That is pretty much all the time we have for tonight. And uh, we really, I mean, we killed Chapter 2. It was awesome. And uh, tomorrow, I mean, um, for next time, we'll get into Chapter 3. And you guys keep those questions coming. And uh, until next time, this is Pastor Hoffman for Zach Lesher at Mithrin Stuff No Drama Saints. See you next time.